so uh, God just changed my message. You know, it's really fun when you're in your office and you've studied, prayed, and sought God, and he says, I want you to do it this way, not that way. I say, okay, fine, you're the boss, right? So I, I've got a new uh, series that I'm starting this morning, and we'll see how that goes, and it's called Faith Till He Returns. Faith Till the End, he said on the screen there. Just want to talk about faith. Um, uh, in fact, I, we were worshiping, and, and, and the Lord put the scripture on my heart, Luke 18, 8, I tell you, um, that he will avenge them speedily right in the middle of what Jesus is saying. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, watch this, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, that's an interesting question, isn't it? You know, uh, two years ago, there was a delineation. Are y'all ready for me to say this? There was a delineation in the church world. And when COVID hit, a lot of people grasped the fear instead of responding in faith. Yes or no? Now, you need to sit there and think about that a little while. I was uh, actually quite surprised as a pastor at how many people chose to respond in fear to what the news media was saying. Yes or no? A lot of people don't want to talk about this, but I have to. It's affected the church world worldwide, yes or no? I was quite surprised at some people's responses of fear. I'm just the kind of person, um, I don't like fear. Scripture says fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. Two years ago, the last two years was a test. It's a test to see what we're going to do in the future when things look bleak and something else comes down the pipe that changes things. What are we going to do? And it may not be this uh, next time a, a health thing. It may be. I think the elites that try to control everything have found out that they control, they can control the masses of people worldwide with fear. I did just something in me. I refuse to respond to fear. Somebody said a good acronym for fear is false, false evidence appearing real. And, you know, with media outlets and such and things bilging at you constantly, it's so easy to, uh, to hear things. And because you hear them from multiple sources over and over again, you think those things are true. Is that right? If you do some research search, you find out a lot of it wasn't. So, see, that made me think, what's the future going to be like? And I can tell you the enemy's tactic is to get a person in fear. Fear is a tremendous motivator. Have you noticed? I could go into detail on that, but I don't have a lot of time with that. But fear is a tremendous motivator. The enemy knows that, and so he seeks to use tactics of fear to control people and the way they live and their responses. Now, before Jesus comes back, that's the reason I think Jesus made this statement. Uh, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Why did he say? I've always thought, why'd you say that? Why would you say it that way? There's a lot of people that trust you because the times would be such that the enemy is going to use every fear tactic possible to hinder your walk with God to get you off the straight and narrow and get you into fear so that you won't respond in faith. And my friends, today, if you respond in fear, it can cost you a lot. How many hear me? 
Y'all want me to go further? So, so until Jesus returns, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So faith is enduring to the end. I mean, till Jesus comes back, there's one way we should live, and that is living by faith. Now, I came to Jesus when I was 18 years old. It's Pentecost Sunday, I know today. And uh, September 12, 1976, I personally, as a Baptist boy, received the baptism with the Holy Spirit at a church I attended in my town uh, at the request of one of my mother's friends. My mother received this experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit in a, in a prayer meeting in, in, a, in a woman's home, a Southern Baptist lady's home, February of 1975. It revolutionized her whole life. And then uh, we saw the change in my mother, that is my two brothers and my father and me. And then the next year, I just happened to receive that same experience. And just like my mother, that experience changed how I live life. It changed the trajectory of life. It changed uh, how I, what I valued, uh, how I thought, and how I lived. The baptism, the immersion in the Holy Spirit is a tremendous experience. If you're born again, you're a candidate for that experience. I encourage you at the end of the service, if you want it, I'll stay up here. And I'll pray for people till the next service if necessary. Uh, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit just like I did. It'll change your whole world. How many hear me? But once I, once I did that, there was a principle I learned. And it was the principle of walking by faith. And that principle alone, uh, I have to tell you, has revolutionized how I live life. I spent my teenage years, I mean, it's not in a lot of years from zero to 18. I had a bunch between 18 and 63. But, uh, you know, those first few years were, for me, quite tenuous as a teenager. I had a lot of, you know, I had two near-death experiences uh, before I was 18. And so a lot of things in between. And uh, just a, a fear-based personality, I guess you could say, is what I had. So when I found out that God's Word is meant to be taken literally and it's to be acted upon as truth, it changed my world. And I want to share these things with you today. I, uh, again, I was in my office before service, and most of this is not in the notes. Some of it may be, but uh, I want to start with Mark. And you don't have this, Sean. I tried to give Sean all this stuff the Lord downloaded to me. Sometimes he can tell you something in a half a minute, and it take you, you know, an hour to write it down. But here it is. Um, oh, this is Matthew, really? Oh, okay, Mark. Mark, uh, where am I? Mark 11, verse 12 is where I am. Uh, now, Jesus was with his disciples. Now, the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see it, perhaps if he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it. Now, that's really strange if you're walking with somebody and start talking to a tree. That's what Jesus did. Net, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now, what would you do if you were with Jesus and he talked to a, a bush or a tree? What would you do? Why'd you do that? Well, his disciples heard it. Then he went, he cleansed the temple. I don't have time to talk about that. And then uh, now in the morning as they passed by, uh, so they went into the temple in Jerusalem, went back to Bethany, verse 19, he went out of the city, verse 29, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. That is, the one Jesus spoke to was dried up. It reminds me, I, uh, when I was a little boy, my brother and I, my brother was four years older than me, and he was always doing things pick on me, and uh, 
always trying to show me how stronger he was and bigger he was, blah, blah. And uh, I was just a little tyke. I don't know. I was four or five years old. He was eight or nine. And uh, my dad and mother always had a... Um, uh, always had a habit on Sunday afternoons. My dad loved horticulture, all things green. He had a green thumb, always had a big garden that I kept, and my brother. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but on Sunday afternoons, they'd walk around the yard, and they would look at the flowers and look at the trees. He had planted all the shrubs. and uh, I mean, he planted all kind of flowers and things. And uh, anyway, he had, he had planted a, um, uh, he had bought an acre of land, and there was not a tree on that property. And he had, well, there was one tree, two trees. The rest, of, but he had to plant the rest of them. So he planted a uh, a, a pine tree in the front yard, and it had had a couple few years prior, and it was a little sapling, you know. So my brother said, "Hey, Mitch, what's this?" So he took to running, and he just jumped and cleared the tree, but but his rear end hit the top of the tree, and it just went boing, you know. He says, "See if you can do that." So I went to running. and when I went to to uh, jump over the tree, I hit it about halfway up. And, and broke the whole top out. And then all I could think about is mom and dad, you know, going up there and, and uh, seeing the tree messed up. My dad would be upset with me. So my brother said, I got the cure. He picked up the top of the tree, stuck it up there, and you couldn't tell it was broken. He says, see, Mitch, dad will never know. Ha, ha, ha. So here a few weeks later, and for sure, you know, for a few weeks it was fine. A week or so, you know, it was all right. And uh, so again, a couple of, couple of weeks later, mom and dad are meandering around the yard. Going, they went up to the front yard, and he got up, and I was peeping around the corner of the house. <laughs> and my mother's name is Mom. I know you're watching me online. You remember this, right? So my mother's name is Jeanette. He called her Jenny. So they walked up hand in hand up in front of the tree. I'm peeping around the house. He said, Jenny. Something's wrong with my tree. Look at that. These leaves and some of the pine needles started falling off some of the limbs on it, you know, and they were, you know, starting to wither quite a bit. And when he touched it, it fell down on the ground. The first thing he said when he wasn't happy with me, he said, Mitchell, my name is Mitch, but when he didn't like me, he called me my whole name. Well, he was upset with me. Mitchell, Mitchell. I said, oh, Lord, my goose is cooked. Well, now that's what happened with Jesus here. The fig tree was dried up from the roots, just like the top of the tree was. Oh, there you go. See, I, I, uh, God bless y'all. Thank you, Sean. That's, uh, that's my fifth grade picture. No kidding. I don't like that picture. Anyway. Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Now, this is a lesson. He was teaching them a lesson. So Jesus answered, said to them, have faith in God. Now, now the original language is Greek, and it actually reads, some Bibles will read this, have the faith of God, or, or have the same kind of faith that God has. That's what he's trying to get across. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So again, uh, New Living Translation says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, verse 24, and if you believe you received it, it will be yours. But going back to King, New King James, 
Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now them, uh, we've got so many different translations of the Bible that um, some of these things are difficult to mention. But I need to say this, if you look at the King James or New King James, the word them is italicized. Anytime in the King James or New King James, for instance, you see an italicized word, it wasn't in the original text. It was added for clarification. This literally reads, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. Now that right, that one principle right there has taken me through my life. I started out not understanding this principle, but once I got a hold of it, grasped it, put it into practice, I've lived my entire adult life by living what I call a lifestyle of faith. Now, a lot of people talk about faith in ambiguous terms. Well, yes, I have, I have so much faith. And when they talk about faith, it's something that uh, is in their life, but uh, it's like going to church. It's, uh, for them, faith is reading the Bible for them, faith is praying, but, but biblically, faith changes things. Faith allows the power of God to come into your, your life and what you're dealing with and rearrange what's messing with you. In fact, Hebrews says without faith is impossible to please God. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians 6, it's the shield of faith that quenches the uh, fiery arrows of the enemy. And in first century, they actually had put a molten substance on an arrow, lit it, and they would shoot fiery arrows at people. And they'd hold their big shield. The Romans had big shields cover the whole front of their body. Nothing for the back because you can't retreat when the enemy's attacking, right? But they held the shield up, you know, and then the arrows would hit the, would hit the shield. So again, it's the shield of faith. In fact, 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight, of faith, Paul told a young man in ministry, he said, there's something about faith that moves the hand of God. My definition for faith is really simple. Faith is acting like God's word is true right now, regardless of what you see or feel in the face of apparent contradiction. Maybe I should say that again. Y'all listening? Faith is acting like God's word is true right now, regardless of what you see or feel in the face of apparent Contradiction. You've heard me say this many times. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, who was an English evangelist, died in, I think, 1948 at the age of 88 or 87. He said, there's something about believing God that will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Now, that's amazing. When I heard that, when I actually read it, yeah, the only book that he actually wrote is a transcription of a meeting he had in 1924, and, um, and they transcribed his messages and he said that uh, there's something about believing God that will cause God to pass over a million people. Think about that. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Just to get to you. You know what faith does? It'll make you stick out in the crowd. Hmm? A thousand will fall at your, right, uh, at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, Psalm 91 says, but it won't come near you. Now, he's talking about a person there that's walking by faith and not by feelings. How many hear me? It was a real rude awakening for me, so to speak, uh, when so many people responded in fear and not faith with this COVID thing that started. And I just got a feeling as we devolve into 
whatever the world's going to be when Jesus returns. We're going to have a lot of opportunities to exercise faith or to go with the crowd and live in fear. Question, what are you going to do? Are you going to respond in faith? Are you going to act like God's word is true in the face of apparent contradiction? Or are you going to go with your feelings and go with everybody else because the crowd's got to be right. In the Bible, the crowd is mostly wrong. Yes or no? Are you a crowd follower or a Jesus follower? Are you a crowd pleaser or a Jesus pleaser? Are you a crowd lover or a God lover? Friends, I, you know, uh, this stuff is just, I've lived my life like this. I, I don't know, I, we'll get into it. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders, if you can, he died in 1992 at age 92. And he was a wonderful writer, and I have his books. I have all of his books. I even have them on my iPad. Uh, Dr. J. Oswald Sanders said this about faith, and I just love it. It just quantifies it so well. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present. Do you hear that? You got to go slow. Treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. See, Jesus spoke to that tree and said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. What are you doing talking to a tree? He got up the next morning and went and saw the tree and the leaves had already, you know, you ever planted periwinkles? I didn't give him much response on that. It's a hardy plant with lots of pretty flowers, various colors. I like to plant them because they, it endures drought well if I forget to water them one day. But you'll go out there one day, and if it's been a really hot day, and they'll just droop, droop. And you'll think, boy, I just killed my plant. No, no, you just put some water on it, it springs right back to life. But, and so when Jesus, when, when they went back and saw the fig tree, and the leaves had withered, it makes me think about my periwinkle plant. I forgot to water. Yeah. They just withered away. And then Jesus spoke to the tree. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And then the, uh, the, leaves, the leaves wilted. And then he taught them that lesson of faith. Faith has a lot to do with words, and it has a lot to do, to do with not believing what you can see, but expecting God to do what you can't see he's doing. Yes or no? In fact, 2 Corinthians four eighteen. while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Listen to this, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Speaking of Abram, Abram was called by God in Genesis chapter 12, uh, and he was the first Hebrew, the first Jew. He came from Ur of the Chaldees and um, <clears throat> modern-day Iran-Iraq area. And, um, and God called him and said he was 75 years old when God called him. And said, I want you to come away from your family. That's unusual for people of that day because they stuck together. He said, leave your tribe, leave your people, take your wife Sarai with you, and you're going to go to a city that I will show you. And he said, I'm going to make your uh, offspring as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And Abraham looked at his wife, Abram looked at his wife, said, whoa, 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 whoa. God, what are you saying? And God said, no longer will your name be called Abram, which uh, it, it means exalted father, but your name will be called Abraham, father of a multitude. 
And he probably got to chuckling, and his wife probably said, that's silly, that's really silly. And he named, changed her name from Sarah to Sarah. And then God said, you're going to have as many children as the stars you can count in the sky and the sand you can count on the seashore. They're laughing they had no children. They were childless. In fact, she was past the age of childbirth. How would you like women to have a child at age 65? It gets a response. God said, you're going to have a baby. What if, Su- what if God came to me and Susan said, y'all going to have a baby? I said, Jesus, help us now. We already been through this four times, right? <laughs> but here's the skinny. For 25 years, Abraham would introduce himself to his friends and say, what's your name? People he met on, on his journey to wherever God had him to go. So what's your name? Abraham. Where's your kids? Because they knew it meant father of a multitude. Well, I'm going to have them. We ain't had them yet. How old are you? 75. Maybe, maybe it was 10 years later, 85. How old's your wife? 75. He's 90 years old. Sarah's 80. He's meeting somebody. What's your name? Abraham. Where's your kids? Don't have any yet. <laughs> Abraham, father of a multitude. <laughs> you calling cows your kids? Or like a lot of people, your dog, your cat, that's your kids? Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. And Abraham's 90, she's 80. People are laughing. <laughs> Abraham, Abraham. He's 100 years old. They have no children. He was 99 years old, 100 years old. And God's word came to pass. Sarah's 90 years old and had a baby. How would you like to be 90 years old and have a baby? Yeah, I don't even like to think about that. You know? Then to think you have a baby at that age, who's going to take care of that baby? You got to live a while to take care of that dude. Right? I said all that so I can read this, Romans 4, 17, as it is written. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. He believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Wow. Did you, did you hear what I just read? God gives life to the dead, talking about Abraham's lifeless body and Sarah's because of their age and their inability at their age, supposedly, naturally speaking, to have children. So he said again, in the presence of whom who believe God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, that's a good definition for, for living by faith. Calling what you can't see as though it's there. Acting as though God has answered your prayer like Jesus said. Whatever you desire, when you, pro, you pray, believe you receive and you will have. That's faith. How many hear me? Now, this is a principle. I have proved it out in life, y'all. When I was young, I would preach this or I would read this. And then later on, God called me to preach in 19... Uh, well, I, you know, and I started in 1981. And I would just, you know, tell people what the Bible said. Now I can look back on the experiences I've had. And I can tell you from the vantage point of Scripture, this is true. But then I can say from the vantage point of living life, this works. That principle that he mentioned to Abraham here, calling those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. What does he mean by that? 
who's going to think a 100-year-old man's going to sire a child? I won't even go there. But who in the world would think that a 90-year-old woman's going to have a baby? I mean, she's passed her childbearing years by many years. So against hope, in hope he believed. That's, that's why he's saying that. So he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so, so shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, what would you do? Your wife's 90 years old. God said years ago, go have a baby. Nothing's happened yet. What would you do? Would you waver? Would you say, I must not have heard God? Would you say, it's not going to happen? Would doubt and unbelief fill the void? It didn't with Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith. Wow. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able also to perform. That is amazing to me. Is that amazing? Now he's called in the Bible, Abraham's called the father of faith. That means God wants us to exhibit the same kind of faith that Abraham had. What are you doing with that faith? Are you doing anything with it? Or is it lying dormant in your life? That's the question. Amplified New Testament 2015 version, they revamped it. Without becoming weak in faith, he, Abraham, considered his own body now as good as dead for producing children. Since he was about 100 years old and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and empowered by faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he promised. Wow. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for divinely granted, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now, what am I saying with all this? To summarize what Jesus said in Mark 11 and then what the apostle Paul said here about Abraham's faith in Romans 4 and then to summarize what um, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe was the apostle Paul, um, said about faith. Faith believes what God has said when it looks like it's not happening and is just as excited when nothing is happening as it would be when it is. Now, I can tell you by experience that it's an amazing way to live and it shows the faithfulness of God in an amazing way. And once you make the choice, I'm gonna walk by faith, it will challenge everything you are, every way you live, everything you think. And there will be challenge after challenge after challenge. But if you'll persevere, your faith will grow. Susan and I, and you can, let me just say this about faith. You can exercise faith. I think God gives us faith so we can believe God to minister life to people. I'm believing God for a lot of people to be saved at Victory Church. 
How many are believing with me? I think that's the first reason for faith, so we can trust God to do amazing things in people's lives. Yes or no? But you can, you can exercise faith for every area of life. Abraham and Sarah exercised faith to have a baby. Susan and I had been married for, I've got to think now, wow, five, six, six years. And we hadn't had a, we lived in an apartment. We were in Bible school. Uh, when we got married, we had been attending Bible school. I met her at Bible school, my first Bible school. Then we moved to Oklahoma, went to another Bible school. I've since gone to another Bible school, so we've been in Bible school. But we were in Tulsa, and uh, I was on staff at a church there. And we had, uh, uh, in fact, uh, we had just had our first child, Jonathan. And this is 1985. God put it in my heart. Here's how faith works. God puts something in your heart, then he brings it to pass. Did you hear what I just said? See, God, it was God's idea for Abraham and Sarah to have a baby. Abraham didn't go to God and say, I want a baby. No, God said, you're going to have a, your wife's going to have a baby. And it's going to shock the tar out of everybody. See, it was God's idea. So see, when God puts some, something in your heart, that's how you know it's going to work. So that means all of this mess and fluffy stuff people talk about, well, I'm going to believe God for, you know, $10 million. Well, you're an idiot. No, you're not. If you can't believe for the rent, you're not going to believe for 10 million. Forget it. You're off. You messed up. See, people take these things and they make a mess of them so badly. I can tell you these principles work. God put it in my heart in January of 1985. Susan and I had been renting apartments. We had rented a couple. We were renting a house at the time. And our first child was born in a rented place. Uh, and uh, so I said, you know, I said, Susie, no, we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of money. We're young. And, uh, but I'm believing God. Somehow we're going to get us a house. God's put it in my heart for us to buy a house. And she said, well, that's good. I want one. That's good. So here's what I did. I got as specific as I could be. Lord, I want a house like this, 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 and this. At least three bedrooms, you know, two baths. Nice living area, nice kitchen. I want something pretty for my wife. Now, you work it out that I have this. So I did Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you'll have. And so Susan and I grabbed hands and she agreed with me. Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth, Matthew 18, 19, is touching anything they ask, it will be done for them. She, she grabbed my hand and agreed. And we agreed that, with, that God would provide us with a house of our own. Now, you know, you needed a down payment. And now you think stuff's bad right now. Back in ni- the early 80s, did you know the interest rate on our first house was 11.5? Yeah. That'll make you think, won't it? Yeah. So you get a little bit of house of big old payment. That's what happens. So I said, Lord, now I believe I receive. And so I went January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. And I was believing God and I say, well, what'd you do? Well, I got up every day and said, Lord, thank you for the house for Susan. Because Jesus cursed that fig tree and it withered. See, see, faith has something to do with words. He, he said, whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass. He'll have what he says. So saying, faith and say, if you're not saying anything, you're not believing anything. Yes or no? Seriously. So I talk about what I believe a lot. 
So I prayed for the house, and, uh, you know, all those months came and gone, and there's a lot of, you know, 30 days in each month, 28 in February, unless it's a leap year. You know, some months 30, some months 31 days. Every single day, I'm praying, tooling through life. I'm thinking about the house. We're looking around at houses, and, you know, most of them are way out of our league, and, you know, what can we afford? We figured out my income and, and, and what uh, Susan's income, what can, we can afford, you know, and what we can what we can do and all, and we got to looking around the houses, and I just believed I received, and every day I said, Lord, I thank you for the house. Thank you for the house that we have. See, faith calls the things that are not as though they are. To, Lord, thank you for our house. Faith is a gap stander. It stands here where there's nothing you can see or feel, and it stands there as though you had it. See, faith was the gap stander. You get it for Abraham and Sarah for 25 years. They were childless and weren't getting younger. They were getting older. And it looked like it wasn't working, but faith stood in the gap. And so Abraham could confidently say to new people he met, I'm Abraham, father of a multitude, because he had the promise of God. And it's, the scripture said he didn't waver in unbelief, right, but was strong in faith. What does strong faith do? It gives glory to God. So guess what I did every day? Listen, listen to what I did every day. Uh, we prayed for a house January 1985. And every day I'd say, Lord, thank you for a house. Thank you so much. I mean, what if you prayed and God immediately answered? What would you do? Oh, God, you're so good. Well, act like you did it when you can't see it. If you can't do that, you can't walk in faith. So every day I say, Lord, thank you so much. You're so good to me for providing a house. If somebody heard me praying, they would say, well, where's your house? I say, I don't know. Somewhere in Tulsa. Thank you. Every day I did the same thing. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for the house. Well, we kept looking. See, faith acts. If you're not acting, you're not in faith. If you're dormant, inert, doing nothing, you'll never see anything. Did you hear what I just said? Faith is not this nebulous thing that, well, I've got faith. No, no. Faith is an active thing that brings the promises of God to pass in their life. Abraham's faith got, brought God's promise to pass, did it? Of course it did. So every day I'm, thank you, Lord. And I'm, you know, when you praise God and act like you've got what you don't yet have, see, faith is a gap stander. See, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present. That's what Abraham did, right? And the invisible is seen. Whew. It'll do something to you. I mean, January, February, March, April, May, June. July, we kept looking. And then we found this house. The realtor called me one day and said, you won't believe this? Or, yes, I will what? <laughs> she found, listen to this, y'all. This is what faith will do. We found a repossessed house that was one year old. It was made of stone. It was beautiful. Did you like that house, Susan? I'm trying to get the address in my head. 1300 West Quantico Place. Now y'all going to look it up on Google, I know. It was just, just what we wanted. It was just, we just loved it. We looked at the house and said, that's the one. And you know what the realtor said? Well, I'll tell you what. You know what we just found out? This is a repossessed home. This bank wants to get rid of this house because interest rates were nuts, you know. And said the government's willing to pay all of the down payment, all of the closing costs. All you need is $500. I said, I'll come up with that. And we got in our first house with $500. Does God honor his word? 
Now, what do you think that did for me? It's like, well, if God can provide me a house, he can provide this other. So here we are years later. I'm in Mullen, South Carolina. I could tell stories all day. I'm in Mullen, South Carolina. I'm starting a church in a city that was the tobacco warehouse capital of the world. Hot dog, hip hip hooray. Uh, the unemployment rate in that city, it was the one, the, one of the worst counties in South Carolina. 21% of the people had no job when I went there. Poverty-stricken, terrible place to go and live. In fact, it was so oppressive, Susan and I bought groceries 45 minutes away just to get out of the atmosphere. That's how crazy it was. Well, I started to church in my, um, in my living room, and we maxed out our living room one day one Sunday it was all full I had nowhere else to put anybody in my little living room there I said well Susan we got to have a building so I called a realtor said I need a church building she said you won't find a church building in this town I said well I believe no no you look because I'd prayed and said God I need a church building so you work it out that I watched how, how God works I did this principle whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, and you will have. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. That's what Abraham did, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of what is not seen. So I said, Lord, I need a building, and I asked for it in Jesus' name. I believe I receive. Thank you for a building that will adequately house us. First place the realtor took us to. Got two more stories, and we'll go home. Y'all ready for two more? Um, <clears throat> First house the realtor, or <laughs> the first building the realtor uh, took us to, we, we got off the beaten path, so Highway 76 is a good four-lane road. Uh, we got off of that turn uh, right on the road. We went down about a mile or so, and on the right, we pulled in. And y'all, y'all, you know what, she, you know what that realtor did? She, she, she pulled up, it looked like to me it was a tobacco barn. I said, Susan, what is she doing? She's in another car. Said, is she crazy? Well, we got up to the door, opened the door, and y'all, you know, I'm 6'3". Uh, to walk in the front door, I had to do this. And then I couldn't stand all the way up because I bumped my, I had a lot of hair at the time. I bumped my hair on the roof, on the ceiling. I had to walk around like this. And she said, well, you can rent this for so much a month. I said, ma'am, I can't even stand up in it. How am I going to preach in it? I'm preaching at the floor. I said, no, God's got something better than this for us. I told her, I'm not making this up. So we went for a period of time, said, Lord, thank you. And I did the same thing, Lord, thank you for my church bill. I need, I need a place to meet. You know, I need a place to, uh, we, need to, we need to rent one to start with. I get it. You got to be, how many know you got to be practical with the Lord? And so I just kept thanking God. We had services Sundays, Wednesdays, you know, and all that. Uh, Susan did children's ministry in our bedroom. And in the back porch, and we had a big yard in the back. And, uh, yeah, my kids were tots. Sarah was two years old at the time. So, anyway, we just kept, I just kept doing the same thing. Lord, thank you for the, thank you for our church building. Thank you for a place to meet. Thank you for working it out. What is impossible with man's possible with God. Thank you so much. Lord, thank you. See, see, that's what you do when you believe in God. Thank you. Act like you got it. What if you had a grandchild or a child that said, thank you, thank you for the new toy, thank you for the new shoes, thank, and you hadn't even thought about buying them. But every day, thank you for new shoes, thank you for the new shoes, thank you for the new toy, thank you, thank you, thank you. Are you crazy? No, I just thank you for my new stuff. Thank you, thank you. You know what? 
if you even got a heart, you'd go get them that thing. <laughs> Is that true? See, God's same way. Thank you so much. So I'd look, thank you so much. And y'all, I pro- so, so Dr. Bassell, a doctor in town, listen, cut the story short. A doctor in town called me one day. He was from another country, Pastor Horton. I said, yes, that's me. I hear you're looking for a building career. Yes, sir, I am. He said, meet me on Main Street. Ah, yes, sir. It was the old belt building, 10,000 square feet. I said, oh, Jesus. What the rent going to be on this? I believe I received. So toured the building. And you know what he said? I'm not making this up. You give me $500 a month. I, re- <laughs> I said, uh, let me get my checkbook. <laughs> we'll do that today. Is God good? Y'all, I've had things like that happen. I could tell you stories. Here's one from Lester Sumrall. I've listened. He had a cassette tape on faith. What kind of faith is yours? He taught this in Buddy Harrison's church, who was uh, Kenneth Hagin's son-in-law in October of 1981, and I got cassette tape from it, and it revolutionized my life. But Lester Sumrall's mother was a woman of faith, and he says he had inherited faith. And uh, so the story goes that uh, uh, Lester Sumrall's father worked on the railroads when they were making the railroad system, and uh, he was working in the tool in the room where they manufactured the stuff for the railroads, and he looked, and he was a welder, and he looked up and a big shot of weld shot out. Then he looked up to see where it went and it dropped down into his eye. Yeah, it hurts to think about it. Well, he, uh, he could no longer work and they had nothing to give him. The company wouldn't pay him anything. So he was out of work and he had no way to support his family. And here's what Lester Sumrall said. And y'all, I was young when I heard this. I mean, my goodness, in 19, I heard this in 1981. How old was I? I was... Uh, uh, 21 to 22, 3, 23 years old. This thing revolutionized my life. He said, my mother, he said, I watched. He said, you don't want, want to know why I have the faith I have? He said, when I was a boy and my daddy had no work and we had no food, he said, my mama, she would get the plates out of the cupboard and she would put the plates on the table. And she had opened the drawer where the, where the spoons and forks and knives were and she would lay it out properly. You don't know how to dress a table properly? And she said she had put the forks and the spoon and the knife and, the, and, the, and the, um, uh, everything there, the cup. And she said, put it all in place. And he had a bunch of brothers and sisters. And she had no food, but she dressed the table and then she would sit there and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for supper tonight. Thank you for your provision of food for my family. Thank you for meeting all my needs. She would just sit there and rock back and forth in the rocking chair. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for meeting my needs. Thank you for feeding my family. I thank you. See, faith is a gap stander. Faith calls those things that are not as though they are. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive. You'll have. And she just started thanking God. Then they believed his word, Psalm 106, 12. They sang his praise. And she would just sit there, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for the food. He said time after time after time, they'd hear a rustle out on the stoop outside the side door or going into the kitchen. She'd walk out there time after time. Here's a whole basket, a full cooked meal. Of protein, vegetables, bread, 
so the tea, whatever, it's all there. And she'd say, supper served. And they'd come and sit down and eat. Y'all, I'm telling you, when you understand how God is, that somehow he'll pass by a million people just to get to you. Everybody else is belly aching and whining. Gas prices are $4.50. Cereal, $7 a box. Eggs are $7. What we gonna do? The faith of Abraham says, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that good? So that means whatever comes, I mean, it can be circumstantial, it can be financial, it can be whatever. You know, I've got my faith, I've got my faith extended for lots of things. Now, your faith doesn't always work for someone else. You understand that? You can't believe for someone else. And then for this to work for you, you've got to walk with God. If you think you're going to halfway walk with God and get this to work, it won't work at all. Because God's the one that places faith inside of you when you read the Word. And faith is a relationship with Him. It's not that you're begging and looking and looking for something to believe for. No, He puts in your heart what He wants you to do. Everything I've ever believed God for, He spoke to me either through His Word or by His Spirit. And it came to pass. I got a faith project going on right now. You saw me limping, right? Did y'all see me limping trying to get up here? What's wrong with Pastor? Ain't nothing wrong with According to God's word, I believe I received my healing. So I was walking. I will walk long distances and I ride long distances. So Wednesday afternoon, I said, well, I'm going to go walk and pray. So I walked for several miles. And, uh, and then, you know, everything's fine. Came to church, did the water baptism. We had praise and worship. We had communion. I got home in my truck. I backed my truck into my garage, opened the door to my truck, and I put uh, my left foot on the floor and almost fell down on the cement. The pain went all the way up. So evidently, I messed something up while I was walking. So I believe I received my healing. Now, I went to a doctor on Thursday. I said, what did I do? He told me it's my sciatic nerve. I know what it is. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I tell my body you better keep up with me because I'm going to leave you one day. <laughs> but until then, we're going to wear your tail out. I intend to wear it out. And it's going to work like it's supposed to until I go to heaven. So I prayed and I believe I received. So if you see me limp, limping, what you got to know is, yeah, I limp because, you know, if every step hurts, you know, you're going to compensate for the step, right? So, so, you know, that's just the way it is. So. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. But I made the decision, you know, I'm not backing down now. And, and you know, here's what I know. I already believe I received my healing. And to me, it's just as though I have the answer. Now, you might not see it, and you may laugh at me for limping. I don't really care what you do. What I do care about is what my heart does with Jesus. And I just thank him. Again, if you thank somebody for something that they promise they're going to give you, you know what? It'll get into their heart and you'll have what you ask for. Did you hear what I just said? So you may be struggling in your physical body. Number one, fall in love with Jesus, y'all. Did you hear what I just said? God has healed me of so many things physically. Until now, every time the devil attacks, I think, you know what? I'm gonna have another testimony. It's just like somebody in armed services. They got another badge. Do it again. Do it again. 
I get me another badge. Every time God answers prayer, there's a badge, there's a badge, there's a badge, there's a badge. Devil, what you meant to to harm me actually helps me. When you walk with God, what should destroy you makes you stronger. Did you hear what I just said? Woo! That's why David's saying, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. It's the faith of God at work. Y'all, this is just so cool. You, you look at me one day, I, you know, I'll come up and walk up here normal. I won't have to take one little step. No, I'll be normal. Why? Because faith is a gap stander. Huh? You call those things that are not. That you can't see, that you can't feel. I've overcome, God, you've heard me talk about all this, so many things physically, so many things financially. We're believing God for this building. You just don't know how much I just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And my mind goes back. Let me say it again. One of my grandkids said, thank you, Grandpa. They call me Poppy. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you for the new doll, Poppy. I didn't say he's going to get you. Thank you for the new doll, Poppy. Thank you for the new dollar. Oh, my grandson, thank you for the new truck, Poppy. I say we'll get you. Thank you for the new truck, Poppy. Oh, Poppy. Let me grab you. The Poppy, Poppy. Oh, Poppy, you're so sweet. Thank you, Poppy. Now, Poppy going to go get that thing. <laughs> Poppy, Father God, if you'll take the step to trust his word when you can't see it, He'll do it for you. Is that good? You know, I feel what I'm, I feel is love. See, what's that got to do with me now? Because you're going into a hellish future. And there are no guarantees. Except if you'll trust God, just like Lester Sumrall's mama, you'll have what you need when you need it. You'll have the gas. You'll have the food. You'll do what you need to do. How many hear me?